0: And you can find that on page 892. Here we look at the Eighth Commandment, which is, you shall not steal. And we consider, again, what God forbids and also what God requires. Our catechism highlights both of those. Not only the thou shalt nots, right, but what thou shalt do in this command. So Lord's Day 42 is our focus. Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 110. So, beloved in the Lord, what does God forbid in the Eighth Commandment? He forbids not only outright theft and robbery, which governing authorities punish, but in God's sight, theft also includes all evil tricks and schemes designed to get our neighbor's goods for ourselves, whether by force or means that appear legitimate, such as inaccurate measurements of weight, size, or volume, fraudulent merchandising, counterfeit money excessive interest or any other means forbidden by god in addition god forbids all greed and pointless squandering of his gifts question 111 what does god require of you in this command that i do whatever i can and may for my neighbor's good that i treat others as i would like them to treat me and that I work faithfully, so that I may help the needy in their hardship. Indeed, that is the summary of what we confess about this commandment, Thou shalt not steal. I'm just going to turn to one verse from the New Testament that I think actually has both of these aspects in it. Just one verse from Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians four twenty eight. And here in Ephesians 428 we read these words again capturing both elements to what we just said here in light of the gospel that Paul proclaimed in Ephesians 1 through 3 now he gives some positive instructions and this is what he says in verse 28 let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need and beloved this is the word of the lord amen Amen. may he bless this word to our hearts as we meditate upon it together well there's a fun video on the internet by the name uh, by a man named mark rober and he's a former nasa engineer who is now a full-time youtuber who's helping kids to enjoy science and especially engineering and one of the fun things that he creates during the christmas time is this fake package that goes on your porch. I don't know if this has happened to you, uh, but stealing packages from your porch is especially a big problem during the holiday season, right, where thieves will come and just snatch the various packages that are there. So engineer Mark Rober creates this fake package that has a tracking device and a video recorder, and at just the right time, when the thief takes the package home and they open it, right, Police sirens go off in the package, glitter shoots out with a special kind of smelly spray, and that reaction of the thief is uploaded immediately to the cloud, right, some iCloud, uh, so that even if they destroy the package, the world gets to see the reaction. And I think there's something in us that kind of likes this kind of video, where a level of justice is dished out because we think, right, yes, these thieves are getting a little taste of what they deserve. You know, but I wonder, as God's people, if we have considered how we have fallen short of this command. A recent poll shows that 90% of evangelical Christians say that they never break the Eighth Commandment. But is that true? Tonight, I wanted to explore the depths of this command from God's word, what the Lord is forbidding, what he's requiring. And there's going to be four words that start with S that help to summarize our points. The words are stealing stewardship, salvation, and selfless generosity. So first, beloved, let's consider stealing. Theft in the Old Testament is a really important topic. Uh, The Hebrew word for theft is ganath, and it means to take something away as if by stealth. And this commandment actually assumes something very important, that certain things really do belong to us, and we have the right to own our own personal property by God's design. And so when someone takes something that is lawfully yours, it's actually violating God's design for good and upright social order. I can remember uh, two vivid times when uh, our family was robbed. It's happened a couple of times, but these two stand out to me. When I was a young boy in San Jose, living there, we went out to the beach as a family, and we spent the whole day and whole night at the beach in Santa Cruz, and we came back late. And I remember coming in the door and everything just being totally turned upside down, right? Things were thrown everywhere. Things were broken and many things were stolen. I remember being a little boy feeling scared and feeling violated because my house was robbed and it was scary. Uh, most recently when we were living in Canada, I remember getting a notification on my phone from our American bank account that kind of struck me as odd. And sure enough, I logged into our account and all of the checking account was drained. And thankfully, of course, there's protections right that help you to, to get your money back. But this is a sad world that we live in with various kinds of theft. Think about it, there's so much kinds of theft today, even more than the Israelites could have ever thought of, right? There's identity theft, there's fraud, there's illegal downloading of music and of movies. There's scammers who constantly call you on the phone and try to get your social security number or your bank info. There's plagiarism of another person's work. Uh, There's shoplifting, the list goes on and on. Right, Citizens can steal from their own government by making false claims for disability or social security. And governments can steal from their citizens by wasting public money and by going into debt without any plan to pay things off. And this steals from future generations. There's various kinds of stealing and theft that the Old Testament talks about. Let me just give you a couple examples. Uh, Exodus 21 talks about man-stealing. It says this, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him uh, shall be put to death. Right. Man stealing is wrong because of the inherent dignity of human beings as made in the image of God. You know, even in the Old Testament, there was a category called indentured servitude, where a person could willingly become someone's servant or slave for a time to pay off a debt. But even in a situation like that, where it was willingly, God had set it up so that they would be free in due time if they so desired. In the year of Jubilee, the debts would be canceled and the slaves could go free. And so God highlights in this kind of situation how stealing another man is a grievous sin. Again, Deuteronomy 24, 7, if a man is found stealing one of his brothers of the people of Israel, and if he treats him as a slave or sells him, then that thief shall die. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Another category of theft is what we confessed in our catechism as well. Unfair weights. Proverbs 11 verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Sometimes people would cheat you in the marketplace by charging you more money for your goods or for your food. The scales would be fixed in the owner's favor, and so you would be tricked to pay more. God cares about upright and righteous business practices. He forbids certain business practices that would rob our neighbor. There's a painting of a butcher uh, with a woman, and they're both in this painting smiling at one another a bit deviously. And as you look closely, you see the butcher has his finger secretly pressing down on the scale so he could charge her more for her meat and the woman is on the other side trying to push up so she could get a little bit of a better deal Uh, you can think of how people do this in the world today i remember an account uh, at the very beginning of 2020 when the pandemic was happening in canada and how there was a couple who bought up all of the local hand sanitizer and toilet paper and then they were selling it out at their garage for 10 times the price and they got on the news and people were taking them to task because of this price gouging, right? Take advantage of people in a time of crisis. God cares about these kinds of things. Another category of theft in the Old Testament was not paying someone's wages. Leviticus 19.13 We shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. Employers can steal from their employees by not paying them for the hours that they put in or paying them less than they said that they would pay. On the flip side, employees can steal from their employers by not fulfilling their duties, by not putting in a hard day's work. Right. If we sign a contract that we will do certain duties, but we are doing things on the job that we ought not to be doing, we are stealing from our employers. Think about this. All sin. All stealing is sin against God. And as one commentator highlighted, at the heart of this is two things. First, when we steal, we are not trusting in God's provision for our lives. When we're stealing, we're denying God's care for us. We're saying, Lord, I don't trust that you will care for me in your kind providence as your child. Second, when we steal, we're robbing someone else of God's provision. But again, in this command, we not only see the negative of what we should not do, but we also see the positive. What does God require of us? What does he require of us? And here we come to our second S, stewardship. And Here we consider how we are to provide for the needs of others. Again, as I quoted from Ephesians 4, 28, let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The thief is not only to cease stealing, but he is to use his time. He's to use his opportunities for the glory of God and for the good of his neighbor. Think about it. He's called to use his skills, his strength, his opportunities that God has given to him to help someone else in need. And he's to use what he gains from his work, not just to bless himself, but to bless others. I love this. This is from Jerry Bridges, Pastor Jerry Bridges. He highlights how there's three basic attitudes we could have towards our possessions. The first is this. What's mine? Well, sorry. What's yours is mine. I'll take it. And that's the attitude of the thief. The second is what's mine is mine. I'll keep it. And that's the attitude of us when perhaps we're just focused on ourselves and our selfishness. But here's the third one. What's mine is God's. I'll share it. And that's the attitude of stewardship. What is a steward, children? A steward is someone who cares for someone else's property. A steward is not free to use that property however he chooses, but he must use it in accordance with the master's wishes and intentions. And beloved, in this command, God is reminding us that we are called to be good stewards of his blessings. Two things are true of our possessions. As I mentioned earlier, they do truly belong to us, and so stealing is wrong. But another thing is true, they don't ultimately belong to us. Therefore, we are called to use them for God's glory. And we see here, even in this text, how we are to use our treasure, we're to steward our talents, we're to steward our time, we're to steward our treasure first. All of our possessions that we have, we're to recognize they come from God's hand. The Heidelberg Catechism says concerning our daily bread, in question and answer 125, these words, neither our care and our work nor your gifts can do us any good without your blessing. We are to recognize that even if we go out to work to bring home the bacon as we say it's God who gives us the strength to do that and he was the one who ultimately blesses the labors of our hands and we're to recognize if all that we have is truly from God if he is the one from whom all blessings flow we should allow that truth then to shape how we use the things that he blesses us with Again, we come into this world with nothing, and we leave this world with nothing. And in between those two bookends, God gives us stuff to steward, right? Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return. And so everything we have, beloved, think about it. We are to be using for the glory of God, stewarding our possessions well. Stewarding the homes that God has blessed us with to practice hospitality and to welcome the stranger in. Steward our finances well by providing for our families, caring for the needs inside and outside the church. Providing for the mission of the church throughout this world. Providing for people in crisis. As we see here with the thief in Ephesians 4.28, he's also called and we're called to steward our talents. Our talents. God has given to us unique gifts and talents and opportunities and we're to use those for his glory we live in a wonderful country where we have many freedoms and we could receive many of us good quality education we could pursue various kinds of work and opportunities and god says to us i want you to be good stewards of these many privileges that you have been blessed with we're not to be slothful or lazy in our approach to life but we're to be good stewards of these opportunities that God is putting before us. Children, this means that you are called to be good stewards of your time when you're at school, studying hard and working well for the glory of God each day because God's blessed you with that opportunity. As adults, we're to be good stewards of the work that God has blessed us with so that we might do good for our neighbor, use our gifts for the glory of God, Also inside the church, God has blessed us with various talents, various ways that we can enrich the whole congregation by the way God has wired us and gifted us. And the Lord says to us, don't bury your talents. Don't hide your talents in insecurity and in laziness, but steward them well for my glory. And finally, we steward our time well. Every year that God gives us, every day, every breath is a gift of God. And we're called to be using our time well. Make best use of the time, Paul says, for the days are evil. Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Beloved, as we hear this command, the positive and the negative parts of it, we can sense how we fall short of this. God has richly blessed us. He's cared for us, but we have sometimes stolen from him in various ways. We've not always been good stewards of our time, of our talents, and of our treasures. We've squandered resources. We've squandered time. We've wasted years. We've squandered our gifts. Moreover, beloved, and most important, we've robbed God of the glory and the worship that he deserves. Malachi 3 verse 8 says this, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you and your tithes and in your contributions? In Malachi's day, the people were coming into the temple of God and they were offering to him lame sacrifices. As we heard this morning, they were giving to God literally half-hearted worship expressed in the kinds of sacrifices they were bringing into the temple. They were robbing God of wholehearted worship. And in Israel's failures, we see ourselves We see how much, beloved, we need salvation. And that's the third S, salvation. The salvation that we have in Jesus can be understood in terms of extravagant generosity on God's part. God provided for us not simply another animal sacrifices, not some great angel or being to come and to die for us, but he provided for us himself. He provided for us his only son. In the beginning, think about this. Adam and Eve, they grasped at what did not belong to them in order to gain some kind of blessing apart from God. They were robbing God. But what did Jesus do? He willingly gave up what was rightfully his in order to bring salvation and blessing into this world to people like me and you who've robbed God. Jesus gave up his great position in glory for the good of others. Think about this. Philippians 2, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to say the King James Version because it has the word robbery in it. But it says, Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant. Although Jesus was equal in glory and is equal in glory with the Father and the Holy Spirit, he humbled himself, took on the form of a servant for our salvation. Jesus on earth gave up his time. He gave up his status for the good of others. He got on his knees and he washed the feet of his disciples And at the end of of his life, after he he suffered all throughout his life, he went to the cross and he gave up his precious life. He poured out his own blood in the place and for lawbreakers like us, like we might know the riches of God's salvation. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Such radical generosity on God's part that he would willingly give his son to save us. And 2,000 years ago, beloved, when Jesus was crucified on that Roman cross, where was he crucified? Between two robbers, between two men who stole from God and who stole from man. According to Isaiah 53:12, he was numbered among the transgressors. And although Jesus never robbed the father and he never robbed man, he became a thief on that cross as all of our sin was laid upon his shoulders so that we can be forgiven all of our wrongdoing and so that we might enjoy the riches of his inheritance by grace. One of the first Persons to recognize the worth of Jesus and his cross was a thief. The thief on the cross looking at Jesus and he said to him, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And that's the good news of the gospel that Jesus continues to extend to people who rob God. If anyone will acknowledge their sin, call out to Jesus. God will be generous and rich and bestow upon them grace upon grace, salvation and everlasting life. What kind of response does that kind of salvation lead to? It leads to the final S, selfless generosity on our part. Selfless generosity. See, Jesus transforms the Eighth Commandment by helping us to value true treasure. What happens when we experience salvation in Jesus? We recognize he is our treasure, and in him we have everything that we need. When we come into contact with God in Christ, we can say with the psalmist in Psalm 16:5, The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. God, beloved, has prepared a place for us, a mansions in glory. He's given to us everlasting provision and blessing for every single child of God. We've been given this internal inheritance in Christ. And the spirit of God has come to be the down payment of that final inheritance. What does that mean then for this life? It means we could pursue, then, what truly matters. We don't have to steal and obsess about earthly treasures, but we can be content with God's provision, knowing that he has promised to care for all of our needs. Matthew 6. We remember God has promised to take care of me, so I don't need to sinfully go and try to provide for myself, but I could trust in my Father's provision. Second, this means that we become radically generous and kind with other people. If we have stolen from anyone or wronged someone, we wanna make things right. Think of the tax collector, Zacchaeus, who paid back the people he stole from before he came in contact with Jesus. In Luke 19:8, he says this, or we read this about him, and Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, "'Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, "'and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restored fourfold. That's a hard touch by grace, by the radical generosity of Jesus. And now He's giving to the needy, restoring what He has taken. Generosity. I love how one pastor put it. He says, "Our wealth is not a sign of divine favor, but of incredible responsibility. God has given to it to us to be responsible stewards of His blessing." And I love this encouraging quote from the missionary Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We are not fools when we're generous to others in Jesus' name because we're actually storing up for ourselves treasure in heaven, something that's lasting. And that's our final thing under this selfless generosity. We recognize Jesus is our treasure. We become generous with others and we focus on, on our eternal inheritance in Jesus's day thieves could break into homes digging through the mud and the bricks of people's homes and they could take their most valuable possessions and treasures the same thing happens today people could break into your home or into your bank account they could try to take your savings and at the end of the day beloved, of it everything that we think is secure it's ultimately an illusion Security for us on these earthly things are an illusion. And so Jesus says to us in Matthew 6 19, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moth and rust destroy, or where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasure in heaven. And how do you do that? By giving everything in your life over to Jesus and worship. Your time, your gifts, your money your retirement years, your schooling, your privileges. You give it all to Jesus. You say, Lord, use it all for your glory. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. We're to be like Mary in John 12:5, when she poured out that pint of pure spikenard on Jesus' feet and wiped them with her tears. You remember, Judas was disgusted and said, this could have been sold and given to the poor. But Jesus exalted her faithful worship. She did not waste her treasure on Jesus, and neither do we when we give our lives to him. Beloved in the Lord, in Jesus, we have been given a beautiful inheritance, an inheritance that Peter says is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Therefore, may we no longer steal from others, or from God, but may we be rich in good works, rich in kindness, rich in love towards the God who has loved us, remembering in Jesus Christ, the Son, we have everything that we need. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we bless your holy name. Help us not to steal because we trust in your providence and in your kind provision. Let us not rob you of the worship that you deserve, but to give you our whole hearts as we come to praise you. Lord, you have blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so help us in gratitude for the gospel to be faithful stewards, even this week, of our time and of our talents and of our treasures, all for the glory of your name. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.